everyone, and welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. I'm your host, Nipha Pujamro, and I'm so glad you're back. Uh, you guys know by now, every couple of weeks, we've got a guest that I bring on the show, usually a friend of mine, and we just talk about hope. We talk about how we lose our hope in this life, how we get it back, and how we keep it for good. I'm pretty excited about today's podcast. My guest is one of the most dynamic men I know. He's, in fact, even more energetic than I am, if that's Woo-hoo! even a <laughs> his name is Carlos and if you don't know that name, you probably have seen his shirts on uh, one of the social media venues. Uh, he, he's going to tell us a bit more about it, but he's a pastor, he's a ministry leader, he's been in full-time ministry for 17 years. Uh, many of the ministries that he started, again, you might be familiar with, his, his most po- you know, well-known one now is called The Happy Givers, part of his uh, non-profit, Happy Sonship. Um, He's met him speaking at Simply Jesus Conference, and we've had, you know, I've had the opportunity to get to see him up close and personal, and he's the real deal. He's written a couple of books. He's got a blog that uh, catches more than 3 million readers a year. Right now, we're going to get to hear his story of hope. Um, he just moved his family to Puerto Rico. He's a heart for missions, a heart for people. So I can't wait for you to get to know him. Hey, Carlos, how are you? I'm super great, Lena. I'm a huge fan. You know that. I really yeah. am. The work you do, how you do it, I love everything you do. So here I am well, excited copying, to be here with I'm you. I'm copying everything you're doing. So. <laughs> Good. We can steal from no, each other. As I always say, and I'm just quoting you. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. Now, listen, introduce yourself like you do when you speak. Tell us your full name. All right. Well, my full name, and I'm not speaking in tongues here, even though I am a Pentecostal, is Carlos Alberto Rodriguez Otroti Rivera Pagamburgo Pardo Garcia Caquian Nazario. So pray for okay. my dad. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, you could even think you're making it up, but you say it the exact same way every time. <laughs> I tell everybody my wife still doesn't know my full name. We've been married for almost 15 years now. So That's everybody awesome. gets a pass. And, and, and when I hear it, it just sounds like Abu Jamra to me. <laughs> That's right. I should add your last name right at the end right. there. Number mix 15. Right. Yeah, now, listen, I want, us, uh, I want people to get to know you a bit, but I thought maybe we'd start your story by um, – Tell us a bit about how you got to be a pastor and then how you left that to what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, really long story short, of course, I, I got saved in the most classic evangelical event in history, a Billy Graham crusade, 1995, here in Puerto Rico. I was a 13-year-old uh, from a pretty broken home, a lot of love, and yet at the same time, a lot of brokenness, um, you know, alcoholism, abuse, infidelity, all that. And yet from a very tight family. And and I heard the gospel through Billy Graham. And he's basically asking the people in the stadium, baseball stadium, if they wanted to help him make the cross famous. And for some reason, that just made sense to me. Like, yeah, the cross should be really famous. That is the story everybody needs, even though I barely knew the story. Uh, but I responded. I, I walked down the rafters and I went to the front, you know, and the cameras are in front of me. And I'm bawling my eyes. I'm not really knowing what's happening. And I'm just... I was confronted with grace, embraced by grace, enamored because of grace. And I just, I fell in love with Jesus, haven't looked back since. And and really the cross, the story of the cross of like God becoming a human being and then having that terrible death so that we would know forever that we're loved, we're included, that he's paid the price for everything that we've done wrong. The crazy thing is everything we will do wrong tomorrow. There's already a way out. There's already forgiveness and grace and mercy for stuff we haven't even done, which is just so wild. And I just really fell in love with the story and fell in love with then 
communicating that story, sharing that story inside of church, outside of church. And, and so I went into a ministry school in Toronto back in 2001. I got ordained over there. I met my wife from England over there. And wow. then I've been, I was a pastor um, since 2004 all the way to last year. I'm working full-time ministry, like, you know, church ministry, loved it, planted churches, um, did everything but kids pastor because I refused to do that one, um, even though I love kids. <laughs> uh, I did everything, you know, went through that classic kind of journey of like youth pastor to worship pastor to the lead pastor of this growing church. And it was all exciting and all. But in the midst of that, I realized that I had I was preaching the cross, but I wasn't carrying my own cross. Um, I was preaching the cross of Jesus, but I wanted it for my benefit. How can I benefit? How can I get better offerings? How can I get more honorariums? How can I get a book deal? How can I? Yeah. So kind of ministry became a platform for me to build my own kingdom as opposed to the kingdom of God. And so my marriage struggled badly. We went through a lot of counseling ministry for myself. Um, A lot of other people calling me out on my sin and my blind spots and you know, it was a terrible time, but it's probably the most glorious time of my life, that place of like in a cave, just broken and hurting. But anyways, out of that, it kind of restored my marriage, refocused on my family and took a break from full-time ministry in terms of like church, working for a church and began my nonprofit, um, which I had the benefit, of course, of the blog and the store kind of growing in terms of audience. So the nonprofit was the Holy Spirit kept telling me, don't talk about stuff, actually do them. Let your feet do the talking. So I fell in love with that, just actually going to the prisons as opposed to telling church members to go and help the poor. Actually, like helping when there was a crisis instead of telling people, give us money so that then we could give money to other people. I fell in love with that journey, and that's what I've been doing. So we moved to Puerto Rico. I was born and raised here. That's why I got that long, awesome name. And we just moved here last month, and we'll be here for the long-term future, just helping island recover. And not just Puerto Rico, but really the whole of the Caribbean. This is pretty awesome. And of course, I, I mean, I, I've heard your story in a little more detail. So I want to sort of go back. We talk about real things here on, on this podcast. And Good. one of the things that we've wrestled with, and I think I've tried to walk through with the listeners, is sort of managing this relationship that Christians have with the church. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and, and so I want to just backtrack a bit, because you were just, you were a successful pastor in North Carolina. and. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you had the personal stuff and who doesn't get caught up in, in this struggle of delineating kingdom building versus yours versus God's. But really, there was also an underlying, you know, sort of you started. I felt like at some point, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but did you have how did this tension of helping people Puerto Rico and almost in some ways you're an activist in my view when mm-hmm. I read shirts that you've written and the books that you've written and mm-hmm. your perspective on Twitter, you know, you've done so well on Twitter and, you know, sort of raising up a voice that speaks up for the marginalized. That wasn't that well received in the church. And that was a little hurtful for some time, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard because we have all these beautiful songs, especially in my world, right? Charismatic Pentecostal world. We're very, you know, we're, we're okay with emotions. I, I like that because I'm a Latino. So, mm-hmm. uh, and Jesus was brown, everybody. So, you know, we're cool with our emotions. He he cursed the fig tree when he was hungry and he, you know, turned around tables and he had his moments, right? So we're okay with emotions. And obviously we, we again, want to bring it back to the cross and there's no doubt about it. Um, but I, I, right, there's all this space in our space to do songs and sermons about love, about God's love, about 
how much he cares and he wants to embrace you. And my story, really, the sermon I preached to Moses, the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, where I actually act out that encounter of the father running to the son, hugging him, kissing him. But it, 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 it became bizarre because it was almost like, yes, God is so loving, but he's mostly loving towards us. And yes, he is love, but he loves us more. We wouldn't say that, but we acted like that. Like there's favor for me and there's love for me and there's grace for me. And then for these other people who think differently politically or who act differently spiritually or who worship differently or who don't worship, then yeah, God is love, but not that kind of love, right? So I I, I was confronted as I'm preaching this gospel um, that is really beneficial to Christians and I'm making money doing it because there's these big conferences where they're asking me to, in a way, entertain them with the things they already know. But yet, what about the the people in prison, those guys that none of us want to love because they've done X, Y, or Z? What about those refugees or those immigrants that we have a narrative saying they're taking my stuff, right? So yeah, God loves them, but not like he loves me because that's my stuff and God gave me that, right? So I I mean, to be honest with you, most of what I do with my writing and, and my sharing, my preaching is confront my own issues. Um, because I realize there are the issues of a lot of people in the church and my own prejudice and my own selfishness and my own, like, you know, the stuff that I'm wanting for me, myself and I, and I'm realizing that's the Trinity that I mostly worship is not Father, Son and Holy Spirit, but me, myself and I, and having to confront that and realizing that I'm, I'm preaching gospel again, that benefits me more than others. And that's just not the gospel of Jesus. So, yeah, like you say, I, I got into a lot of trouble as I started asking questions. And my whole thing was, I'm not I'm not saying the church is wrong. I'm just asking, hey, why are we still doing it this way? And one of the main things that I got in trouble for, which you'd be surprised, um, it was like a holy cow that could not be sacrificed. I'm like, hey, we're having these great conferences or great events. But let's think about that. We reserve the best, quote unquote, anointing, speaking, revelation to people that can pay $129, right? Um, What about the people that can't pay that? What if we consider this? Let's not have a special green room with special water and special meals and use that money to let people that don't have the money come to all our events. Goodness gracious. That's stirred up. Is that breakable, do you think? I mean, because you might feel like, I would 100% agree with you. So how do you how do you navigate? So so before we get to that though, yeah. so here you're in this situation where it's this tension is growing. But when you left the church, it wasn't like you had really a, a you know well let's cut through the chase any income. Sure. But you're starting a nonprofit, like you step out in faith, right? Goodness like gracious, how this is going to play out. How, how did that? How did you do that? Man, I'm still stepping out of faith. <laughs> I just left the Puerto Rico leader. Help me, everybody. <laughs> No, it's so I had I had I had a couple of thoughts. Number one, because I have been in church ministry for so long, obviously one of the benefits and good spiritual fathers will tell you this. And I've had so many great spiritual fathers and mothers in my life that we can learn what they did wrong so we can do it differently. Right. Um, And maybe not because it's wrong, like it's evil, but maybe it's wrong for this generation or this time or this season. Um, And that's one of the trappings of especially church ministries, assuming that what God did in the past is what he's going to do in the future. And we're just boxing God in. And there's no doubt we can celebrate what God did in the past, but that doesn't mean that's how he's going to do it next. 
Um, so, okay, I'm looking at, you know, 17 years of full-time ministry in the church. You know, half of this, I would do it differently. And I would do it differently, number one, because I'm spending more and more time with people not in the church, and I'm realizing how it appears to them. I would do it differently because I'm realizing what the gospel actually says, and it's actually a contradiction to what we're doing. Um, basically, yeah, so I, I unfortunately lost my job at the church. Um, it was a kind of a messy breakup that because we had so much love for each other and so much history for each other, we did it as cleanly as possible. Um, there's still pain. There's still you feel betrayal and then you feel confusion. And then he said, she said, and all that stuff happens. And But at the end of the day, I just, I, I started to preach my sermons to myself. God really loves you. He really does have a plan for your life. And I'm, I was almost like having to tell myself out loud, the voice of God, like, son, he's here for you. Like, do not be afraid. Keep going. Your passion is to help the poor, it's to be in the prisons, it's to go where there's disaster and bring the light of Jesus and, and provide as much as you can. So start doing it. And and I just, I mean, what could I do? It was like, this is what I do. And I started to post it online and I started talking like, I know what I'm doing, even though I didn't, um, but my father did. So, and I also, one of the things I, I really considered is I don't want to depend just on donations. Because the problem with just depending on donations is that then you go chasing after the sad story so you can get more donations. Yes. Right? So yeah. I don't want to do that. I don't want to like, where's the next crisis where I can ask for money? And and I, I also don't want to preach sermons on giving um, just because we need more giving. Um, so that's that's why I started an online store so that I could, I could use some of the skills that I learned in church as an entrepreneur to make money so that we do so that we didn't have to beg basically. <laughs> well, and you don't really see God's hand in this because it just feels like everything that happened in your life happened at such a perfect timing. I remember last summer, in fact, not this few months ago, but a year and a few months church. ago, you had just walked away, you know, like you had left the church and, and you really didn't have any big, like it felt like you were, I thought in my head, he's probably going to speak, maybe eventually find another church. And, mm -hmm. and then Puerto Rico happens, which to me is just this like divine prophet mm -hmm. in some ways in the sick, not in a, but you understand sure. like, no, maybe, you. You're, maybe, maybe, the, maybe you're the divine providence and that God has now put you in a situation where you can help, right? Not that what happened in Puerto Rico is planned by God for it, but the other way around, like you don't even see how God's going to use you. Now all of a sudden God has you set up to say, all right, Carlos, you've been talking this talk, here's something you can do. But then he even gives you this idea that did you ever, ever think it would take off like it has? No way. I mean, I, so my hope was, like you said, I'm going to speak a little bit here and there, whoever will take me, and I will maybe write another book and hope to Jesus it ranks number one in Amazon on, I don't know, you know, best books for young Christians. <laughs> Amazon's hilarious with their rankings and stuff. Anyways, so I'm hoping a little bit here, a little bit there, some people's mercy here. Do I have any rich friends that can take pity on me? You know, I'm, I'm having all those thoughts. But, you know, again, got to preach myself into like he's a good father. He's a generous father. Um, my inheritance belongs to me. And, 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 and he really loves the people that I'm aiming to, you know, help. And there's that beautiful proverb, whoever lends to the poor lends to the Lord. Um, like just giving my life for those who can't pay me back. I know who's going to pay me back, you know. And, and, and there's that sense of trusting God. 
and and not doing it for the money because there's I mean there's not there's no way to live a fancy lifestyle unless you're cheating and robbing in this world right, right? so there's right. that that tension of risk of trust and I never thought the store would do so well but it's a beautiful thing because the store thehappygivers.com it's almost like statements that people want to make and they get to make them while at the same time making another statement which is I'm supporting a nonprofit doing this work right so it's like a double win in that sense. And again, I'll- brilliant. Some of the stuff on it. I mean, honestly, I've every time you drop a new shirt, I think in my head, it's anointed. I mean, I feel literally like, where do you, where do you come up with this stuff? And so you literally like, how can you tell a statement is going to turn into a good T-shirt? You just know, and your soul, like the spirit, sort of speaks yeah, it. So, so, so yeah, there's a combination of I'm so spiritual, Lena. You have no clue. Yeah, I know. There's, I know. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> then there's also. Then there's also just like taking risk and I'm going to try these 10 things and then one of them is going to be good. And then I'm just going to hold on to that one. But the problem, yeah. I, there, there is an element of, um, I don't know how to even name it. There is a, an element of lack of risk in the church um, yes. where we're, it's so safe and it's so clean and it's so cookie cutter that we don't allow people room to make mistakes. Um, there's almost like no theology for how do you handle trying 10 things and failing 10 times um, yeah. because in a way the, the gospel we've been preaching is like if you're failing you're, you're a failure um, right. so yeah so trying out a lot of things and just taking a and risk I think also and, in, in the church there's not the space to express sadly in the conservative church in particular there's not a space to express some of the sentiments that are biblical but maybe politically not extreme right sure, Right, yeah. which which is one of the tensions that I've observed in the last four years in the church, which is there's a biblical way and there's a Republican or a conservative way or whatever you want to label it. Yeah, and I and think the millennials in particular are sick of it. So tell, speak into like who's who's following you, who's who yes. are the people who are resonating. So here's the thing. So I'm a millennial. I was born in '81, so I'm right on the right on the summer of '81 when millennials officially start. Whoever knows about that stuff, um, but the thing is. Here's the thing I've been learning and reading about, Lena, like the next generation, those kids in Parkland, um, when they lost their friends in that shooting in Florida, yeah. they it, here's the scary thing. It's almost like they don't need organized religion. They don't need the church. They have social media. They have one cause, and it's the bisexual girl and the white kid and the black brother and the other Latino guy. And they're like, we have each other and we have one thing to fight about. They have social media. They moved a million people to Washington, D.C., made a statement. So the church has to wake up like yesterday because this generation that's coming, there's some of the things that you and I are talking about. For them, it's not even a conversation. They're like, are you people still talking about that? Is the church still having those conversations? Like we're so way beyond that. What I've been reading is specifically with that generation, those who are like 19, 18, 17 right now. It's almost like the degree of separation between them and the generation of our fathers. It would be the same as me and you having to talk to the generation that preach pro-slavery and having to have a relationship with them. And this is what's happening. This generation is so exposed to so much information that the degree of separation between them and two generations, it's like four generations instead of two. Yeah. In terms what of the information that they have available, you know, in terms of the, the lives that they're living, the exposure they're having. So it's, it's right. pretty crazy. 
And so, so like, tell the church, what advice would you give them, having walked in both worlds and understood a lot of this dynamic? Like, what are three or four things the church could practically do differently? Yeah, 100% have direct conversations that are uncomfortable, things. Whenever I realize, even for myself, I think I'm so out of the box, right? I think I'm so, like, open or whatever. And then I get into situations, like, for example, we did a trip, Happy Sonship did a trip um, to Houston after Harvey. Um, and there's all this flooding in Houston. Long story short, we couldn't get to the church that we were meant to drive to to give all this help. We ended up inside of a mosque for three days and we gave everything to this Muslim community. Right. And I'm like super out of the box and I, I love my Muslim friends and I have dinners with them and whatever. But thinking of like, wait a minute, I got all this money from Christians to buy all this stuff that was meant to go to a church and I'm giving it all to a mosque. Like, That's funny. You just lied, right? You were like, oh, we're in a... <laughs> it was the greatest. It was the greatest time. I kid you not. We ended up being honored in one of their main services. As all these guys are praying, and it was. I mean, we're, we're talking three hundred people mosque, um, and this beautiful Muslim community just took us in in the middle of Texas. I mean, it was so out of. It's so wild. But for me, right? I'm, this is beautiful. This is a story for that generation. It was like, what? Why is that even a story? Why is that even something that's kind of cool or different, right? They're so beyond. So we're having to have those conversations direct upfront about homosexuality, about conservatives, progressives, liberal. Uh, we have to have those conversations about church too and me too. Like we have to be so direct, so open, and not just having the conversations and be trying to be cool about it, but actually including them in the conversation. What is your perspective? How are you seeing it? And because we, here's the thing that I've realized, and I did this so much as a pastor, and I repent a million times to everybody out there. We love to use the language of family, but we still act as a corporation. Yeah. We love to say family, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, but then when somebody's out of line, we fire them like you know, like like they're a bad yeah. employee. And 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 that's why it's so hard. Whenever there's church splits, and whenever there's you know, a pastor left or whatever, it's, it feels so emotionally difficult. And it's because we keep using this language of family, lying to people. I wish we actually acted like family um, because I have family members that I disagree radically on a lot of stuff. They, they're still Rodriguez Sostres. They're still my family right. and we're going to have dinner together. And if we're able to have those difficult discussions, we still get together for Thanksgiving, be grateful. Then that's what this next generation needs for sure. And also activism. Also, I realized that on these trips that I'm doing, a lot of these kids, I mean, I kid you not, half of the people that come with me on trips are not even going to church anymore. But they love Jesus, they love the gospel, and they want to help others. The church doesn't get more into the kind of active NPO, which it used to be called evangelism and missions, right? It's just a different name for yeah. the same thing. Um, I mean, there's a whole generation that's just begging us to be involved. It's true. I've, I've obviously observed the same thing. And so sort of a follow-up, where should those conversations take place? I feel like the, the church is competing for so many different things in a 45-minute mm -hmm. spot on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I, I, it has to start. There's no doubt about it. It has to start on stage. Um, we had, I had moments as a pastor, lead pastor, where things were happening in the nation, and I wasn't addressing them on Sunday. And I did 
I, I had a bit of theology about when I didn't do it. It's like, oh, we're already listening to that so much during the week. We're just going to focus on Jesus and his love. And there's an element of truth to that. I'm not going to deny that. But when you're not addressing things that everybody's thinking about, the white person and the black person and the Latino person and the Asian person in your church, the young and the old, if you're not addressing those things, and I think that's why my blog was successful. My theory is that whatever was trending on online, I just grabbed that story and turned it into a gospel story. Um, yeah. Like my, my biggest article was the, the week that Bruce Jenner announced he's becoming Caitlyn wow. Jenner. And I've always wanted this. Da, 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 da. I wrote an article, it was 900 um, words about the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery and interpose what um, Bruce Jenner was talking to on in his interview with what Jesus was saying during that day. And it was like 1.4 million views in a couple of days. It went uber viral and it was crazy wow. it was everywhere everybody was commenting and and it's almost like how do you bring the gospel story into whatever story we're talking about whatever's trending and of course we don't want to do that because whether you're progressive or conservative your narrative is going to be confronted by the gospel and you're going to have to choose make a choice of jesus or whatever you thought you think was right um, so that's why we kind of run away from those because we're confronted by the love of God and the story of the cross and everything else. But we have to, we absolutely must. And we need to. How is the church receiving the work that you're doing? It sounds like a lot of people are coming down. I mean, do you feel like there's been a support from churches to the work that you're doing or a fear? Yeah. So here's the benefit of the fact that I didn't go from one church to another or get hired by a different church that maybe is more like me now. The benefit yeah. of going straight into the nonprofit world is the nonprofit world is humongous. I have churches coming to Puerto Rico, helping me doing the work of Puerto Rico that are straight up conservative churches. And then a month later, I have the most liberal church you've ever heard of from California coming to help. And the benefit of the nonprofit world is like, there's a need. I could care less, you know, the 10 things that you believe here and there that are different to me. You want to help Puerto Rico? You want to help the Caribbean? You want to come with us to Peru, to our children's home? You are welcome. Let's have the conversation. And I think that's why Jesus was able to have 12 men who were so different from one another. You go from Matthew, the tax collector and employer of Rome, to Simon the Selet, who's basically a freedom fighter against Rome. Because in the context of mission together, you can do so much more. But if we're separate in our own little camps, doing our own little things and kind of scratching each other's backs and feeling good about what we believe differently to other people, then we're never going to move forward in any of these conversations. Give us a little glimpse of Puerto Rico right now. Is there hope for Puerto Rico? What's happening on the ground? Yeah, so there, of course there's hope. There's so much hope. And Puerto Rican people, again, I'm, I've been out of Puerto Rico for 10 years, but I was born and raised here. And I love the Puerto Rican people, the hope, the joy, the music in the midst of the pain. Um, but suicide rates are up. Homelessness obviously skyrocketed because of so many people losing their homes. And here's the thing, Lena. There was so many issues in Puerto Rico before Hurricane Maria. Right. This is an, an extreme mission field before the hurricane. The hurricane almost exposed what was already bad. Um, the corruption in the local government, the brokenness in families, the, the, the very strong religious stronghold. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of things that are – the drug addiction, is it's wild in Puerto Rico. And yet at the same time, there's all this love and this joy and this talent and this creativity. So, of course, there's so many people died, you know, almost 3,000 people. On, and that's kind of a 
That's honestly a, a, a low estimate because there was another study, yep. a study that said 4,600 people. It's, it's way too many, one too many, of course. Um, and, and people are still, a lot of people that lost their businesses, a lot of people, unfortunately, more than 300,000 Puerto Ricans left Puerto Rico. So you can imagine the amount of elderly people that are here without their kids being able to help them because they have to be in the States to be able to have a job, to take care of their own families. A lot of elderly people in need, a lot of single mothers who have no support, a lot of people without their businesses that, you know, kind of sustain their family. Yeah. And how do you strategize who to help? How are you even approaching that? Uh, yeah. So it's hard. So what I've done, again, because I'm so clever and spiritual, is that I hired I hired a social worker that actually works for the Department of Family. And what she's doing for us is actually identifying the cases that not even the government's doing anything about. Um, there's a couple up in the mountains and they still living under a blue tarp and they got nothing and their families left for the States because, you know, they needed to get new jobs. So she's identifying worst case scenarios, mostly elderly people and single mothers. That's really the two communities that we're seeing that are struggling the most and up in the mountains, right? Far away from the city. And we're identifying them. She's doing an amazing job at this are their needs. This is how much help they're getting, what they're not getting, what they're missing spiritually, emotionally, financially. And then the teams that come from the States, then I can say honestly to them, these are the six families we're going to help. We're going to rebuild their homes. We're going to provide these certain things. We're going to pray with them, sing with them, bring them nice meals. And we have these beautiful trips where we literally stop for the one, one family by family, by children, by child, by mom. By, and we spend time with each individual providing as much as we can, obviously, and trying to set them up for the future so that they don't need another team to come but actually how can we empower them with hope and with skills so that they can move forward for you know the next 10, 20 years. It's a long job. I mean, is that what compelled you to move versus going back and forth? What was Yeah. The- yeah. I mean, well, I moved for the rice and beans and the mojitos and the fun and the beach. There's no, like, nobody <laughs> needs to feel bad about that. Right? So sometimes <laughs> we're like, wow, you're amazing. Move to Puerto Rico. I'm like, I'm not a missionary struggling. Don't feel bad about me. I'm living in Puerto Rico. Like, yeah. wake up. It's awesome here. But there's no doubt there's still issues with water, with electricity. Since I've been here, we've lost electricity tons of time. We didn't have water for like five days. There's still issues in the system. But yeah, being here with the people, being amongst the people, being able to just drive 20 minutes down the road and be with families that we've helped. So again, it's not just here's a handout, feel better, we'll grab the video, we'll make more money. But actually, how do we build long-term solutions for the families that we're helping? So we got teams coming till next June of next year. And again, teams from different churches, different ministries. Every month we have a team that's coming and we get to be on the ground, identifying all the needs, being really prepared so that when the teams come, we are as efficient as possible and as helpful as possible. What does church look for you, for you and your family in Puerto Rico right now? Do you have a body that you are meet with? Yeah, so my parents, so the church I left before going to Toronto, this was 20-something years ago, my parents are like, um, head deacons, I think is how you call it in English. Um, they're super involved. My dad's a lawyer, so he does all the law work for. It's a pretty successful big church that has a beautiful counseling center that does like. Free you haven't counseling. scratched off church off your list. You're just saying, and I'm saying, asking oh, no you, way. you up like you believe in the church. You're just oh my goodness, you know. Lena. Like who are who is coming to Puerto Rico? It's church people. Some are disillusioned with the church. Some are super happy. Some are involved. Some have been fired from the church. But it's it's the body of Christ, right? In, in different expressions, in different stages of grief, of joy, of belief and disbelief, of doubt. But it's, it's the body of Christ. And I've, again, I've planted churches 
and I, I've, I've been involved in church planting and church growth and church ministry. I, I, I absolutely love the church, believe in the church. Um, I'm just seeing that there's actually, you know, if you think about the ministry of Jesus himself, the three years where he was in full-time ministry, there's kind of this traveling component, kind of like he's going from town to town, addressing different issues. I don't know if this is the rest of my life, to be honest with you. Tons of people ask me, hey, you're going to plant a church? When are you going to plant a church? Can we do this? I'm like, I, right now I'm here to serve Puerto Rico the best as I can. The best I can is through the nonprofit. If there comes a point where because of the work we're doing, a, a community gathers in a shared mission, knowing that the the priority of this church would be the poor, the broken, the prisoners, then yeah, let's let's get together and worship Jesus, you know? Um, but I think there's enough churches around. Maybe what we need is more of what I'm doing so that I can help the local churches and some of the American churches come and help us and, you know, work together. So I love what the church. Definitely. I appreciate that. And I know that about you. I, I, I thought it was, I, I like what you said. What have you learned about the Lord most in the last year? Something surprising about him. Has there been any like, my gosh, God, I can't believe you. Fill yeah. the blank. Con- constantly, again, since I was 13 years old, constantly surprised by grace. The same feeling of walking down to that front of Billy Graham's crusade and I've had that same encounter in the in, in places where, you know, nobody looks like Billy Graham. And I've had that same encounter in places where nobody sounds like him. Um, and I keep meeting Jesus. in again, because of the nonprofit world, I'm being exposed. Yeah. You'd be surprised the amount of people who are un, not just like, I don't go to church anymore, but I'm an atheist and I wear the Happy Giver shirt. And how can I come help you guys in Puerto Rico? And I, I get that constantly emails texts people reaching out um so i'm finding god in the people that i thought i would never find god in the spaces i thought i would never find god and i could preach about it right i could i had the theology for it but the experience of of the face of jesus and people that don't even like jesus um, Mm -hmm. and the people that don't know they need jesus or in the people that are desperate to meet with them just finding him in all those spaces and places and hearing his voice and falling in love with human beings that are broken like me and being able to say, hey, we disagree on X, Y, or Z. And we get to have that conversation because the starting point is Christ. And in that place, we all belong and we all have a, have a place. And we, we can talk about salvation. And I can I'm, I, I, I still feel like 100% evangelist. I love the souls and I love winning souls. And let's pray the prayer. I still believe in all that. But it's been so beautiful and so surprising how much I feel like I'm getting saved myself constantly in those places. How, if if a person is listening in, um, what would you tell them before we get to your contact? Because I think we're coming here to the end, but say somebody's burning in their heart, like they want to do something for the kingdom, but they're just stuck in their job and their life and responsibilities, child support, and on and on. What would you encourage them to do? How would they step out to try to experience what you're describing? So there is a season, and I, and I really believe in that statement from Jesus, be faithful in the little and you will be given much. And there is a season of that in-between, and who likes, nobody likes transition. Those in-between seasons are just borderline demonic, I'm telling you. It's just so hard to be in that tension of the here and the then. It's like the kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet. It's coming, but it's, you know. And, and living in that tension and, and figuring it out, okay, this is what I really care about. I've always had a passion 
And usually, Lena, you identify it through frustrations. That, that's what I spoke on in Simply yeah. Jesus. Like your frustrations are your invitation. I'm frustrated with politics, for example. Well, what about like running for the city council or maybe just a school board or something that gets you involved in the political arena so you can bring hope, bring light, bring solutions as opposed to just criticism. And no doubt about it, I'm not saying don't criticize, don't complain, because sometimes that's the beginning. But if you stay there, then you'll be bitter and nothing will happen. But if you allow that to become an invitation from the Holy Spirit for change, then the baby steps of, okay, I've always wanted to write, so let me figure out how to start a blog, and I'm just going to put my thoughts down little by little, twice a week, and let's see what happens. And you start to be faithful in those little things, those those little nudgings from the Holy Spirit, that little frustration or that big frustration, the, that invitation to help this person or that person to go be in a prison ministry. Find a chaplain and just go once a month. Just commit to that once a month. Be faithful in the middle, and I promise you, and I can say that with conviction because Jesus said it, you will be given much. It's just taking those little steps. It's so true. Uh, hey, how can they reach you or how can they buy a shirt? Either or. <laughs> yeah, I know. If you go right now, we have everything, all the information, the shirts, trips that we're doing at thehappygivers.com. That's T-H-E, happygivers.com. Thehappygivers.com. It's a pretty awesome site. Carlos, I mean, I, honestly, it's easy to navigate. You always have discounts. Yeah, and the always have discounts. discounts. <laughs> it's awesome. A woman likes a good sale, and you are like the king of it, which I don't know if your wife had a hand in that. But um, I, I just – I've loved I, – I have loved watching your journey, and I don't think you're just getting started. I think the future is ahead of you, and God's hands on you. It's just a joy to be with you. And I kid you not, I'm not trying to be cute because we're here in this podcast together. It would be my joy and my pleasure to join you on one of your trips. And for happy yeah. friendship to Carlos, come. You're like a Lebanese inside. I mean, I just. Tell, you know, I, I, we got our own version of margaritas and mojitos too. Don't worry. We got it. You covered. <laughs> it would be amazing. We could do a trip together. We can you know, like share resources, time, efforts. It would be so phenomenal. Cause well, and likewise, for, for Puerto Rico, when you find a time where a medical trip is necessary my suitcase is packed i'm on the road that is so great thank you Lena. listen it's been a joy having you um any last words before i close this out yeah again let me repeat that be faithful in the little and you will be given much be faithful with your family number one be faithful with you know those relationships that you know god has put in in your path and then be faithful with your calling with those passions with those frustrations and god is just going to open the doors i'm living it it's not easy. There's a huge price to pay, but it's so worth it. I sleep like a baby. I love what I'm doing. And following Jesus is the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, coming from a guy who walked the aisle, got saved by Billy Graham crusade, I feel like you should take his words even more seriously than <laughs> mine. But now listen, guys, it's great having you. I know you guys have enjoyed this podcast. Email me, tweet them up. You're at, call, uh, at what's your Happy Sonship. Everything Happy Sonship. Everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Tell them you love this podcast. Guys, if you want to reach me, you got a question about life, you want to join a trip to go on a mission, whatever it is, you want to talk to me, shoot me an email, lena at livingwithpower.org. Hey, um, I hope you felt the hope in every word that was breathed on this podcast today. Uh, I just want to finish with reading your verse of hope that came to my heart. It's uh, in Romans 15. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I pray that over you today. Have an awesome day. I'll catch you guys next week.